Hey, it's time to give you some uh, new content. This is Scott with the uh, Teal Shirt Report podcast. Hey, it's been a few days, uh, but hey, you can listen to all of our previous episodes. This, my friends, will be episode show number 41 of the Teal Shirt Report podcast, season number two. Uh, we did 82 episodes last year, so we're going to end up doing close to the same 80 or more episodes um, in a year. We talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, North Florida Entertainment, other area sports. Indoor football is pretty big right now. We're going to talk about that as well. On our previous episode, episode number 40, it turned out we interviewed a guy that that's in the National Arena League playing for the Orlando Predators. Pretty good player in defensive end Ellis Smith. And and you may want to go back to episode 40 and hear some of that lengthy interview we, we did with Ellis. I'm really proud of that interview because I think we brought out a lot of his uh, talents, uh, his hopes, dreams, and beliefs. Uh, defensive end Ellis Smith had a, had a pretty good game uh, for Orlando. I mean, when, when we're going to talk more about it, but when you're a National Arena League team and you only give up 12 points, your defensive end is making it difficult on the other team. And that is uh, one number nine defensive end, Ellis Smith. So, so he made the uh, top of the Till Shirt Report podcast today. We do talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Man, he uh, we, we talked about Ellis Smith before we talked about Trevor Lawrence. How about that? That may be a first. So uh, Ellis Ellis had a great game for Orlando in the 32-12 win over the Jersey flight on Saturday night, July the 10th. Uh, some guy at the end of that game actually was being frustrated by Ellis Smith. The offensive lineman threw a punch at Ellis Smith, and he got ejected. So... I mean, it was a hard-hitting defensive battle, a defensive war. Orlando won it over Jersey. I mean, a low-scoring indoor football game. The Orlando Predators, uh, 32. The Jersey Fly, 12. The Sharks also won in a much more higher-scoring affair. We'll talk about that. Sharks with a two-point win. Um over the uh, Carolina Cobras. We'll talk more indoor football a little bit later on the podcast. But today we are going to talk about Trevor Lawrence's contract. Everybody that talked to me said, man, they're paying him a lot of money. I looked at the numbers and I said, man, that's a bargain for a guy that's a generational talent, probably the best quarterback prospect since John Elway in the 1980s. Um, I don't know how many people know this, but Peyton Manning actually threw two more interceptions than touchdowns in his first year as a quarterback with the um, Indianapolis Colts. I think Trevor's going to do better in his first year. Now, does he get as many touchdowns? I'm not sure about that, but I don't think he throws the amount of interceptions Peyton did in year one, but we'll, you know, we'll get into our, our thoughts about how we think Trevor will do in year one. The thing about Trevor Lawrence and the reason why, in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinion, he's, he's brought up as uh, a, the best prospect maybe since John Elway is that the NFL scouts kind of put him up on a pedestal. I mean, he's been on a pedestal since he was a freshman at Clemson when he won the national championship. And you looked at that guy and how he played and how he looked and how he felt. 
and the way he threw the football. And you said, man, even as a freshman, you said, man, that guy's going to be a star in the NFL. <laughs> and there's no doubt about that. So the NFL scouts say, well, Trevor Lawrence, if he could have played last year in the NFL instead of playing at Clemson, he would have been a top 10 NFL quarterback. I think that's as, as much as you need to know right there. Uh, when I looked at him playing in the playoff this year, even though Clemson lost to Ohio State, and yes, of course, um, Ohio State's quarterback, Justin Fields, is good, can throw the deep ball. Trevor can throw the deep ball. However, you watch that game, you watch that game, that playoff game, one thing I picked up about Trevor Lawrence and the reason why he went higher in the draft than, say, Justin Fields is because Trevor can complete that pass in a tight window, that 15 to 25-yard pass that you need in the NFL. When you get backed up second and long, third and long, maybe you got a third down and 15, Trevor can actually throw that 15 to 25-yard pass vertically up the field, and he can put it in a tight window. That's why he was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. That is why the NFL scout said if he had played in the NFL last year, he probably would have been a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. We're brought to you by Anchor.fm. Simplest and easiest way to make a podcast with great creation tools by Anchor. And uh, Anchor is now known as Anchor by Spotify, of course. Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. Saucer Realty. Man, they're doing great things at Saucer Realty. I mean, um, I think Larry is like, I don't know what all those uh, things mean. He's got some, some. Uh, I'm going to have to talk to Larry about it, but it looks like he's sanctioned in Gainesville and Jacksonville and almost every area in between to sell real estate, um, to buy and sell real estate. And uh, Saucer Realty, man, great folks, uh, whether you're looking for home, residential real estate, commercial, uh, business real estate, Saucer Realty, go to our website at bigjreport.com, scroll the homepage. When you get to the weather information, you'll find a link that allows you to click on the site to go to Saucer Realty. And I mean, Larry, Larry does uh, all types of uh, uh, home and residential real estate, business, commercial, all around North Florida. So for your real estate needs, remember Saucer Realty. Anchor.fm, the simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. And Eufaula, Lake Eufaula, hits.com. Great internet radio. They've got rock Saturdays, uh, hits 2000s, Monday through Friday evenings. So check them out, lakeufaulahits.com, where it's all good. L-A-K-E, a second E. That's right, there's a second E in it. Lake Eufaula, L-A-K-E. E-U-F-A-U-L-A. Did I spell it right? L-A-K-E-E-U-F-A-U-L-A. Hits.com. Lakeyoufallahits.com. Great internet radio where it's all good. And you can follow us, too, at BigJReport.com. We're going to talk more Trevor Lawrence uh, coming up. Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about Paul Feinbaum briefly and. And, and it'll be it'll be painless, but we'll talk about Paul Feinbaum, Trevor Lawrence, and much more as the Teal Shirt Report podcast uh, continues. We'll talk about Trevor Lawrence's 
uh, first contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars because it'll be a second contract, you know, down the road in what four or five years. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. And again, thank you for listening. You know, it's time to simply embrace the fact that the Jaguars have quarterback Trevor Lawrence now. They still have Gardner Minshew as the backup. I mean, you're talking about a great quarterback room. C.J. Beathard is the number maybe 2B guy. Unless Minshew is traded, sent packing or what have you. I like the quarterback room. I've got to think that Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew, both of those guys are going to get better over the next uh, year or two. And uh, if Gardner's still on the team, you got a pretty good backup there. But Trevor Lawrence, when you're let's let's get let's get it all let's get our cards out there on the table. Trevor Lawrence was the number one overall draft pick. He's going to be the Jaguars' quarterback. He will start every game. He will start every play as long as he's healthy. Uh, I see Trevor. If Trevor does play fifteen to seventeen games this year, I can see as many as 25 touchdown passes. And hopefully, hopefully, the interceptions can be kept to a minimum. I mean, he's a rookie. Man, a great year for Trevor Lawrence might be 25 touchdown passes, nine interceptions, because I know there's some predictions out there, more interceptions. I mean, Peyton Manning, I mean, if you look at his stats, and again, we're saying that, you know, a lot of people are actually saying that Trevor Lawrence is a more highly sought after player than Peyton Manning was. That's what they're saying by anybody that's saying that Trevor's a generational talent and probably the best prospect we feel since John Elway. Well, then you're kind of bypassing Peyton Manning. Tom Brady was what a six round draft pick. So he wasn't drafted high. So, so we're not really calling even though Tom Brady, as some people say, Maybe the GOAT, greatest of all time, perhaps. I mean, I was shocked that he won the Super Bowl down in Tampa Bay. He won a lot of Super Bowls in New England. But but here's the thing. Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round, so he was not a prospect coming from college into the NFL. You take a look at Peyton Manning's numbers. His first year, his rookie season, 1998 Indianapolis Colts. 26 touchdown passes and 28 interceptions, okay? Peyton Manning's second year, still the 26 touchdown passes, but only 15 interceptions. His third year, 33 touchdown passes and 15 interceptions. A little bit of a fall off in year four for Peyton, uh, 26 TDs and 23 interceptions. So I've got to go on the assumption that that our guy, Trevor Lawrence, is the best quarterback prospect since John Elway. Man, that's a lot of pressure. Why else did did the Jaguars and owner Sean Cunn say, man, we got to hire a high-profile coach. We're going to have to take a little bit of pressure off of this generational quarterback, number one pick overall. We're going to take some pressure off this guy, and what better way to do it than with a high-profile coach that can – 
can take a lot of the heat for the wins and losses. I mean, Coach Urban Meyer, the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, he's a high-profile coach. It's it's going to be a it's going to be like a uh, a team effort, a marriage almost. Uh, Trevor Lawrence got married recently. His wife's name is what I believe, Melissa. Marissa, Melissa, I believe. Let me let me double check that right now because I, sometimes I get the the names mixed up. But you know, Trevor Trevor got married uh, hmm, just a few weeks ago. And God bless him for that. And uh, congratulations to him. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, man, six foot six, man. This guy runs like a deer. Okay, Trevor Lawrence's wife. Uh, Trevor Lawrence's wife, um, Marissa Mowry. Okay. And now she's known as Marissa Lawrence. And uh, I tell you what, congratulations to him. And I think that's a good thing uh, uh, for Trevor uh, going into his NFL career with, you know, with his, his new wife, um, his, his new head coach and urban Meyer uh, going to be a lot of pressure on this young guy. I mean, uh, I'm sitting there saying, how old is Trevor? Trevor's like, I'm saying, is he 22, 23, man, he's 21 years old, but everybody knew that Trevor Lawrence from the time he was a freshman, I mean, he had a record at, I mean, he had a record at uh, Clemson that is just unbelievable. What did he lose in four games his entire career at uh, Clemson? I mean, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence is 21 years of age. He'll turn 22 in October, six foot six, 213 pounds or thereabouts. I think he'll put on a little bit more weight as he becomes a, a pro and matures and, and things of that nature, but he's going to stay in shape and be a really good quarterback. So I will tell you, Trevor has signed the new contract, you know, and I can sit here and ramble on about my thoughts about Trevor Lawrence, but let's get down to the facts here. Trevor Lawrence's contract is signed. Now it's a slotted contract, which makes it a great deal for the Jacksonville Jaguars four years with a fifth year option. The four year contract and the grand total is $36.8 million, approximately $24.1 million is guaranteed. I think it's a great deal for the Jaguars, but then again, it's a rookie slotted contract. Keep in mind, back in you know the mid and late 1990s when Mark Brunell was the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, his first big contract with the Jaguars and I'm assuming he was on a contract with the Green Bay Packers, you know, early on, and then the trade was made, uh, which is kind of interesting. But when Mark Brunell signed his his um, second contract, we'll call it a second contract with the Jaguars. Man, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Seems to me like it was. I remember, and you know, the funny thing was, I remember that season Mark Brunell got hurt. And I can't remember the exact injury, but he got hurt not too long after signing the contract. And, of course, you know, he was out for a little while and came back or a few weeks and came back and really had a, an outstanding career. I mean, you know, Mark's a good quarterback, will not be in the Hall of Fame. I think Trevor Lawrence, if he certainly Trevor Lawrence has a shot to be in the Hall of Fame long term, no doubt, depending on how his career goes. I think only – 
you know, health, uh, physical injuries can curtail Trevor because I think he's got all the tools. I mean, he's six foot six, runs like a deer, he's got a great arm, can throw the 15 to 25 yard pass. Nobody in the Jaguars quarterback room last year could make that 15 to 25 yard pass on a dime in a very tiny, small window like Trevor Lawrence can. He's blessed with outstanding gifts. He's a talented guy. He's a number one pick overall. And now he's being shown the money, not just by the Jaguars, but he's got deals with uh, the top trading card company, Gatorade, an Adidas uh, shoe deal, Adidas cleat deal, Trevor, and some other deals too. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, is going to make the money. And um, the funny thing about Mark Brunel is when he signed his contract with the Jaguars, I guess it was officially in the league his second contract, I'm thinking, but really his, you know, his first big-time contract with the Jaguars, it was for six years and $36 million. This contract, think about it now. Think about it like, like um, what, 23, 24, 25 years later? Trevor Lawrence signs a contract with the Jaguars four years for $36.8 million with a fifth-year option, $24.1 million approximately uh, guaranteed. And as I understand it, the Jaguars um, did not release that information, but it's um, pretty much common knowledge with the slotting system. Uh, Trevor signed the deal, and he's going to make the money. It's a rookie deal. Now, obviously, after the four or five years, the four-year contract, the fifth-year option, and I'm sure the Jaguars would exercise a fifth-year option, but certainly that's way down the road. That's, you know, before the Jaguars start worrying about a second contract with Trevor Lawrence, he's going to have played in at least three seasons with the Jaguars before they even start worrying about tearing up the rookie contract and giving him a, giving him a new contract. But that could happen, you know, earlier than later. But he's going to play at least three years before that's even thought about, right? So he's a bargain. He's a bargain. Mark Brunel made, had a six-year, $36 million contract. I believe it was in that, in that ballpark. And now you got Trevor Lawrence, four years, $36.8 million, $24.1 million guaranteed. The rookie contract, a great deal. You can put pieces Around Trevor Lawrence, you can spend money on the defense, other players. It is outstanding. When when people around the nation started talking about, man, the Jags should trade that pick. Man, that would, that's insanity. I mean, what are you going to do? You, you're going to have to – a guy that's not on a rookie deal and is a veteran, you trade for a guy that's a veteran, you're going to have to pay him the big money. Right now, you got it made. You got Trevor Lawrence on a slotted – uh, rookie uh, contract. It is, I mean, it is a contract based on being the number one pick overall in the first round, though. But you got Gardner Minshew. I mean, C.J. Beathard, you know, he's going to make more money than Gardner Minshew if he sticks as a backup with the Jaguars. So the Jaguars got a busy quarterback room. I don't see him picking up any more quarterbacks. Uh, Jake Crouton-Luton may end up on the practice squad, perhaps. He showed a little bit of promise, but had the four-interception game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But, heck, that could happen to that could happen to anybody, a four-interception game. So, 
I think Luton at best right now is a practice squad guy for the Jaguars. C.J. Beathard has experience, and he could be as high as the backup if Gardner Minshew is traded. But Trevor Lawrence, this is a guy that everybody says, hey, the scouts, the, the NFL scouts, a lot of them said Trevor Lawrence would be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL if he had a play the last year. His last year he played at Clemson. So, so my goodness, how about, how about those apples, right? So we want to talk about Paul Feinbaum. You know, Paul Feinbaum, you know, he's he's on the SEC network, but, I mean, he works for ESPN. I mean, he's part now. He, he You can really see it. it. It's shining through. He's part of the national media. He started out with a, you know, with a, a radio talk show in Alabama. I think Paul Feinbaum was actually a sports writer, um, honestly, before he – you know, became a talk show host and want to make sure I'm not talking at a turn here, but, uh, you know, Feinbaum arrived in Birmingham in 1980 and became a columnist and reporter for the Birmingham post Herald. Now the, uh, you know, the talk show in Alabama, which, uh, you know, he started his own, uh, afternoon radio show, you know, several years later at WIPI AM in, um, I guess that was in, um, I believe that was in Birmingham. It was in Birmingham, uh, October of 93. Boy, does that ring a bell, man. That's the year I was married. Uh, that's also, that is also just a few days before the Jaguars got awarded the franchise in the NFL. So these things all kind of, kind of, kind of work in unison. You see, Feinbaum moved the sports talk show to another station, WERC, and then you know what happened as time went on. They added uh, Paul Feinbaum grew into a network, you know, where they added you know two, three stations, and he was before you knew it, Paul Feinbaum's all over the state of Alabama and ESPN, uh, when they got involved with the SEC network, um, you know, they were looking for some, some programming and Hey, there's Paul Feinbaum. He's got all these people calling him from Alabama, you know, Georgia, Alabama fans, Auburn fans, you know, basically SEC fans. When he got on the SEC network, now he's getting calls from, you know, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, all over the place. So Paul has become big time. He works for ESPN. Of course, he does the occasional interviews with uh, Stephen A. Smith and uh, some of the other roundtables that, you know, I kind of detest somewhat. Some people rely on quite a bit. But as far as ESPN goes, I, if they got a good game on, I'll watch that. If they got a good game. Otherwise, I don't really gravitate to the talking heads on, on ESPN. You know, if it's not on the Teal Shirt Report podcast, you know, to me, it's not relevant. And and perhaps to a good bit of our audience as well. Um, that Paul Feinbaum, I mean, Barney Fife looking guy talking about how talking about how the new Jaguars head coach, Urban Meyer, is going to flame out. Paul, what happened? Mr. Feinbaum, I'll use that term loosely. Paul Feinbaum, what happened? What happened at Bowling Green? Utah, Florida, Ohio State. Urban Meyer won at each and every level. 
Does that mean he's going to be successful in the NFL? Doesn't guarantee it, no. But he's won everywhere. Paul, he's, he's won, and I'm going to address, you know, Paul's probably not listening, but I'm going to address everyone in this regard that Urban Meyer was a great choice. He's the owner's top choice, Sean Kahn. And Shotgun knows that this is probably the biggest decision that he's made with a franchise. Shotgun and the Jaguars knew they had the number one pick overall. The number one pick overall. They needed a high-profile coach. And the high-profile coach that was hired, you know, Urban Meyer, when it was um, his decision, hey, whether he's going to take the job or not. And I'd been saying it all along on the Till Shirt Report podcast, the general manager will not be hired before the coach. It's going to be a guy that uh, the head, the, the high-profile head coach is going to be comfortable with, and that's what happened. That's why Trent Baalke went from acting GM to the permanent GM because Urban Meyer did have, even though it was not a a big or long relationship with Trent Baalke in the past, but they did know of each other. And I think that uh, when Trent Baalke, I believe, was with San Francisco, um, that's when San Francisco drafted Alex Smith. So Urban Meyer does have a relationship going back long, a long way back to those days. So, so again, as far as Paul Feinbaum is concerned, talking about how Urban Meyer is going to flame out and in the same breath, very softly saying, well, it, it, it could work short term since he's got Trevor Lawrence. But he says that so briefly and, you know, uh, short and, and, and almost in a whispering way, it just kind of like in a small, condensed way, you know, to kind of say, well, I got an out when he doesn't flame out. So this is something that's just been done. This has been something that's been done to appease, I think, the national media. Let's get something started. Urban Meyer is going to flame out. Now, you know, you can say other head coaches flamed out for various reasons. Sometimes it was the ownership, you know, say in the Steve Spurrier situation of Washington. Boy, Steve came out and said some things about Washington's ownership, I believe, recently. That was, you know, not very good. And... You know, Steve got out of there quick. He he got out of that Washington Redskins deal uh, really quick, made a lot of money there. But uh, not every college coach has gone to the NFL and been successful. Urban Meyer is set up to succeed with the number one draft pick overall in Trevor Lawrence, a boatload of draft picks this year. They're, they've got themselves well under the salary cap, and they really didn't, let, let's be honest, they really didn't overspend in free agency, even though they picked up some needed players and some depth, I really like the three wide receivers. I think they're underrated. I think DJ Chark, and I, I really like the fact that Urban called him out and said, "Hey, you're a, you're you're a kind of like what did he say? He said he's a, a big wide receiver playing small or something like that. And now he's put on bulk and muscle weight. Maybe." DJ Chark can separate himself from the average to good wide receivers and become a great, you know, maybe he can become something close to Jerry Rice. I said it. DJ Chark, uh, Marvin Jones, who I have a lot of respect for, that was a wide receiver with Detroit and before that Cincinnati. I've had Marvin Jones on my fantasy team before. He's a, he's a good wide receiver, and the Jags got him. So you've got you know, obviously, DJ Chark should be the number one guy. Marvin Jones, the 1B. And LaVisca should not, maybe the wild card. 
He's, I think LaVisca Chenault's going to be a star in the NFL. I've said it ever since after he was drafted by the Jaguars going back to last year. I still need to get my number 10, LaVisca Chenault jersey. That's in the that's in the works and the plans. So the three wide receivers, I think, are going to be better than they are thought to be. I mean, the national media, some of the books that are coming out, some of the NFL books, the Jags wide receivers are, man, they're showing up way low on all the list. But I, I think that quietly DJ Chark can show some significant improvement if these guys stay healthy. Marvin Jones Jr., LaVisca Chenault. And you got that number four guy possibly. And we're talking about um, Colin Colin Johnson, the uh, second-year wide receiver out of Texas. He's about six foot six, And he could be really a red zone threat. Uh, you've got Philip Dorsett, who I don't know if he makes the team. Maybe he's the fifth wide receiver or close to it. After the first three guys, and then maybe Colin Johnson at four, then you got really a battle for that number five and possibly the number six spot if they carry six wide receivers. They're going to you know, most likely carry either five or six wide receivers. And maybe they just carry five because Travis Etienne, who's a running back, may play some wide receiver. You know, like he did during the um, the uh, the rookie the the mint the rookie mini camp that the Jaguars were involved in after Travis Etienne was drafted. So that's kind of what we got as far as uh, you know. Feinbaum Feinbaum said, um, you know, perhaps it could work short time uh, with with Urban Meyer, but you know, because of Trevor Lawrence. The owner, Sean Khan, hired and got the guy he wanted. That's what it came down to. Does Urban Meyer want to win games? <laughs> How about that question? Of course he wants to win games. He wants to win games right away. So it's going to be interesting. I think the Jaguars, I, I can't really put a number on it in 2021. They're going to obviously win more games than they won last year. I think 2022 will be better than 2021. I think they're, I think they're shooting for the playoffs in 2022. Not this year, but next year. So let's see how it shakes out. The ultimate goal, in my opinion, this is my goal for the Jaguars, is a Super Bowl appearance within two to five years. I didn't say a Super Bowl win. Of course, when you get to the Super Bowl, you want to win it. But the Jags have never been to a Super Bowl. So, you know, my feeling is a Super Bowl appearance within the next two to five years perhaps one or even two AFC South Division championships. These are some some goals I kind of have uh, uh, for the team uh, short-term over the next two to five years. So, again, Paul Feinbaum, that Barney Fife-looking uh, character on TV, on ESPN, SEC Network, talking about Urban Meyer flaming out. It's ridiculous. He's going to talk about stuff like that in the same breath, mentioned very quietly that, that it could work out because it could work out for Urban short term because he's got Trevor Lawrence. Oh, but he's going to flame out. So you hear Paul kind of talking out both sides of his mouth there. Paul Feinbaum, that Barney Five looking character. So that's what I got here on the Till Shirt Report podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about the Southeastern Conference indoor football all coming up, North Florida Entertainment. Stay tuned. More of the Till Shirt Report podcast coming up. Uh, right here. This is the Teal Shirt Report podcast brought to you by Anchor.fm. 
also by Saucerility, LakeUfallHits.com, and you can follow us at BigJReport.com. Hey, if you don't hear it here, it, it's not relevant, but I'm going to tell you, we have a lot of fun here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We're produced by Alex Nunnery and also by JC. Uh, we'll check our messages, too. We get messages here on the podcast. Just make sure if you want to send us a, an audio message, and some of our producers do, like Alex Nunnery, who does reports and interviews uh, for us from time to time. Uh, you go to the anchor.fm feed of the Teal Shirt Report podcast, uh, click on Messages, and your message will be sent right to me, right here into the Anchor uh, studio uh, for the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Make sure you're on the Teal Shirt Report podcast and click on Messages if you'd like to send an audio message to us. Or you can write to us, scott at bigjreport.com. That's scott at bigjreport.com. We're not done yet. We've got indoor football coming up, North Florida uh, entertainment, other area sports. So stay tuned. Hey, we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. Uh, we're listening. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. I'm a part of the show, and you're out there listening, and great to talk to you. Uh, we're produced by Alex Nunnery, also by uh, JC. Let me give you a Duval. Duval. Man, that's fun to do, right? Everybody's Duvaling all over the place. And uh, we cover the Jacksonville Jaguars on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We're now listened to in as many as 36 states across the United States, internationally and worldwide as well. Want to talk indoor football. Indoor football is really part of North Florida entertainment. And I want to congratulate the NAL, the National Arena League. The last couple of games I've watched have been riveting and on the edge of your seat stuff with suspense and and, uh, you know, not only suspense, but, uh, of course, uh, big play and great strategy at the end of games. And usually big play and great strategy at the end of many of these uh, National Arena League games. You know, unless the score gets out of hand one way or the other. But, you know, I've really seen a, some games where one team has got way out in front, the other team comes back, and it ends up a lot of times uh, close at the end. We'll take a look at some scores um, from – from last night, actually, as we record this podcast on Saturday, uh, July the 11th, uh, the Jacksonville Sharks, man, they were they were brutalizing Carolina most of the night. Then Carolina came back, made it a game, and actually did take the lead by I think four points midway, you know, midway or late in the fourth quarter. However, Jacksonville came back and scored a touchdown with 21 seconds to go. Uh, wide receiver uh, Devin Wilson with a big touchdown catch on a pass from quarterback Danny uh, Southwick, the 39-year-old quarterback that the Jags, I'm sorry, that the Jacksonville Sharks, um, we'll talk more Jags coming up, but that the Jacksonville Sharks in the National Arena League had to sign, you know, they signed him, uh, what, about uh, three weeks ago after the backup quarterback didn't work out after, 
uh, Mike uh, Faithful, the player, the quarterback out of UCLA, that, you know, he had nine touchdown passes in a game uh, in the National Arena League back in 2019. And, and of course, uh, in 2019, the Jacksonville Sharks went, won the National Arena League championship. Mike um, uh, Faithful actually got hurt in game one, and it looks like he's now out for the year. Um, Danny Southwick, a bit of a journeyman. He actually played in the NFL for a brief brief time, had a cup of coffee in, I think, 2008 or 2009 with the Oakland Raiders. And then, you know, for the past several years, it's been this indoor team, that arena team, and he's played for many indoor and arena football uh, league teams. And it's kind of funny how, uh, and not in a hilarious way, but it, it's kind of funny how, you know, how a guy, uh, because of a circumstance, and, and this happens in all levels of football, hey, a, a quarterback goes down, gets injured, um, the team signs or grabs a guy and says, you're going to get a chance to play, and he plays well. And Danny Southwick has played well uh, for the most part. He's, you know, he's helped uh, the Sharks win a couple of games. They've had difficulty against uh, rival Orlando, but they defeated the Albany-New York Empire. Um here a few weeks ago, and then, you know, last night they, they went on the road. When you go on the road anywhere, no matter who you're playing, it could be difficult. So last night on uh, Saturday night, July the 10th, the Jacksonville Sharks defeated Carolina 54-52. to Again, as we mentioned, Devin Wilson, that outstanding wide receiver, maybe one of the, the top uh, two or three wide receivers in the National Arena League, Devin Wilson with a big touchdown catch on a pass from uh, quarterback Danny Southwick with only 21 seconds to play in the game, which turned out to be the winning score of the game. The Columbus Georgia Lions, very good NAL team. They were actually off last night and did not play on Saturday, July the 10th. However, the next game, the next game for uh, Columbus and Jacksonville will be in Jacksonville uh, next Saturday or this coming Saturday, July 17th. So Jacksonville hooks up with a very good Columbus Georgia Lions team on Saturday night, July the 17th at the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. So great indoor football coming up. If you've not seen the Sharks play, I'd say the Columbus Georgia Lions is a good team to watch them against because uh, I would have to say the Columbus Georgia Lions will come into that game feeling like they're favored by a few points. But Jacksonville should have the really good home crowd behind them. Should be another great arena uh, football game in the National Arena League. Also, the Southern Steam will play up in West Virginia in the EIF uh, Elite Indoor Football League Championship uh, championship game against the, the Reading, Pennsylvania Raptors. Uh, good luck to Coach Bobby Damerall. He's the coach of the Southern Steam and also the owner of the team. Good luck to all the players of the Southern Steam Uh you know, uh, you're going to talk about some of those um, really good players, Buddy Damerall, um, Courtney Ballhawk, Reese. Uh, we got the guy that creates the guy that creates all the safeties. The guy that creates all the safeties on on defense. You know, good friend of mine, which uh, he's a good guy too, and uh, that's. Um, that is, of course, my good friend. He's the guy in the middle of that line, right? We're going to have to play his um, his audio message for you again. But uh, great guy uh, with the uh, Southern Steam. So, again, 
I will tell you that George Bowen, that's what I'm talking about. My mind's playing tricks on me today. You know, I sometimes I'll mess up a last name and I try to correct myself because when you come to the Till Shirt Report podcast, I want you to have the correct information. George Bowen, the guy that I know he's, I know he has actually accounted for at least five safeties or more playing in the defensive line, in the middle of that defensive line uh, for the Southerns team. And they will be playing in the championship game of elite indoor football because most of the year, the EIF, which the teams are spread out. And you got to remember the Southerns team during their season, they're playing teams from other leagues. They've actually played some outdoor teams that have said, hey, we'll take a, a shot at indoor. And it's been interesting. They they had a couple of games up in North Georgia on the road that the Southern Steam had some difficulties in losing a couple of those games. I think even with forfeits and everything being said, because there were a couple of teams that were unable to come, whether it's COVID or whatever the case may be, I believe the Southern Steam, including forfeits, ended up at about six and four on the season with a winning record. And most of the year they were, they were sitting there one and two and they lead into our football league with the Reading, Pennsylvania uh, Raptors. So the Southern steam, they, they made it into the championship game, the Southern steam versus the, the, uh, the Reading, Pennsylvania Raptors. The game will be played up in Wheeling, West Virginia on Saturday afternoon, July the 17th. I'm not sure what time zone they're in, but the game's either at 12 noon or 1 o'clock, and we'll be keeping an eye on it with the BigJReport.com and the Teal Shirt Report podcast. I know Alex Nunnery is going to be up there uh, putting some updates because uh, he'll be up there in Wheeling, West Virginia. He'll be putting some updates in our BigJReport.com uh, Facebook group as well. Big George Bowen, one of those guys in that defensive line, number 99. Good luck to George in that game and everybody else. I know it's a long trip for everybody. The Southern Steam, um, you know, they I think they're putting a bus together for that game, if all possible. Uh, it's a long trip, and I don't know. It depends on where the players live. Some players live in, you know, South Georgia, North Florida, Central Florida. These The Southern Steam players are from everywhere, but it's a long trip for everybody. Alex Nunnery is going up there, and uh, it's going to be, be a lot of fun. Alex will be reporting back to uh, – to us here in Jacksonville on how the Southern Steam does versus the uh, Reading, Pennsylvania Raptors in the Elite Indoor Football Championship game, which is now coming up, getting closer, Saturday, July the 17th. It's a Saturday afternoon game on July the 17th up in Wheeling, uh, West Virginia. So that's kind of our look at indoor football. We did take a look at the NAL. There's a lot of good National Arena League football out there. The Orlando Predators defeated the Jersey flight. We talked about this game actually uh, in the beginning of the podcast, Orlando 32, the Jersey flight 12, man, I watched the end of that game and my friend, uh, defensive end number nine, Ellis Smith, who we interviewed in, in our last episode, episode 40, you can go back and listen to episode 40 to our interview with defensive end Ellis Smith. It's quite entertaining, but you know, it's, it's a real look at a National Arena League player and what he goes through to get ready for games, what he has gone through to get to this point uh, playing in the National Arena League. He was with the Southern Steam uh, prior to, you know, moving up to the National Arena League uh, with the Orlando Predators. He played for the Tampa Bay Tornadoes. So he's actually played for like three different um, indoor arena teams this year. 
and that's defensive end Ellis Smith, number nine. He had the offensive lineman so frustrated with the jersey flight that at the very tail end of the game, I think with just maybe 10 seconds left in the game, the uh, Jersey flight offensive lineman, man, there was a melee out there where the offensive lineman for Jersey threw a punch at uh, defensive end Ellis Smith. And Ellis, I hope you're okay today. I hope uh, I hope you're not feeling that at all. But Ellis played hard, man. And, you know, you got to think about this. I mean, when you talk about National Arena League football and the opponent only scores 12 points, you, if you're on the defensive side of the ball, you know you've done done your job. So defensive end, Ellis Smith, number nine. You know, he does that dance during the game, too. I think it's called the church, kind of a high-stepping church dance. And, uh, and Ellis, uh, congratulations on the win. Orlando 32, the Jersey Flight 12. Orlando and Jacksonville, you know, and Columbus, they're all fighting for those playoff spots. Out of the six teams, only the top four gets into the playoffs. It's an eight-game regular season with two games of playoffs at the end. On our next podcast, we'll kind of break down the standings in the NAL as uh, as we get closer to playoffs. Playoffs. And, of course, there's a big regular season game this week as the uh, Jacksonville Sharks will be hosting the Columbus Georgia Lions at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena uh, this Saturday night, uh, July the 17th. Southern Sting will play up in West Virginia in the EIF championship game. So still a lot of indoor and arena football uh, coming at you that we're keeping keeping you up to date with as well. We're going to talk some SEC football. And uh, also going to take a look at uh, – let's take a look at the concerts around uh, North Florida, and then we'll get into some SEC football. But there's some good concerts coming up. And a lot of people are talking about this group um, that's actually called Classics, Classic Albums Live. They do a lot of tributes. They're a tribute band. They're going to do a tribute on July the 16th to ACDC, Classic Albums Live tribute show. ACDC's Back in Black album. Let me tell you, that was one hot album. You know, that's when they got the, you know, they got the new singer at that point. Um, you know, sadly, the ACDC singer had passed away, and then they, you know, they they hired uh, a new singer after some auditions. And he turned out to be pretty good, and uh, they they put they put in the, the guy's name escapes me, but I'm going to tell you about that. Um, but man, he came right in with back in black, man. They didn't lose, they didn't lose anything, did they? They did not lose anything. Brian Johnson, of course, Brian Johnson's a guy that took over as a lead singer. Um, Brian Johnson, man, he, he's, he was born back in uh, 1947, an English singer and songwriter. Um, uh, in 1980, he took over as the lead singer with ACDC after the death of Bon Scott. So, so again, classic albums live, they bring these groups to you in a tribute show manner and they do a good job. I mean, classics, classic albums, live tribute show to ACDC, the black back in black album. Uh, will be held at July on July 16th at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater here in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, I just got the word they're also going to do a Pink Floyd show, Classic Albums Live tribute show, Pink Floyd, The Dark Side of the Moon, both of these shows at the Florida Theater. 
classic albums live tribute show to Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. That's the particular album they're going to be they're going to be doing a tribute to. That'll be on Saturday, August the seventh at eight o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater here in Jacksonville, Florida. Going to take you to some other concerts on things that are coming up. I know we got ZZ Top, uh, ZZ Top uh, coming up as well. Some of these songs I can't get out of my head. I was thinking about, for some reason this week, the, the song by the Rolling Stones kept popping up in my mind. I can't get me no satisfaction. That kept popping up into my mind. So, I mean, I love music. I'm a music lover of, uh, you know, many different different groups, and I like a variety of music. But let's take a look at some shows coming up. How about this one, Green Day with Fallout Boy and Weezer? On July 31st, 2021 at 5.30 p.m. at the Big Bank, TIA Bank Field in Jacksonville, Florida. Also, Motley Crue and Def Leppard with Poison at TIA Bank Field in Jacksonville, Florida. On Saturday, August the 7th at 2021, Jacksonville, Florida, 4.30 p.m. And you may not have heard Santana, Carlos Santana. Santana on Tuesday night, September 21st of 2021. At uh, 8 o'clock p.m. Again, that's Santana. Santana on Tuesday night, September the 21st of 2021 at 8 o'clock p.m. That's at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, ZZ Top. ZZ Top will be on Sunday night, November the 14th of 2021 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, KC and the Sunshine Band. (laughs) That's right. You remember them, right? Casey and the Sunshine Band. Uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band. Here we go. Casey and the Sunshine Band on Saturday night. This is next year, actually. Saturday night, January the 22nd of 2022. Just a few months away at 7.30 p.m. On Saturday night, January the 22nd. That's Saturday night, January the 22nd of 2022 at 7.30 p.m. That's coming up only in a few months to the Florida Theater in Jacksonville, Florida. Also, Elton John later next year. Elton John, we've been talking about this one. Elton John and the Elton John Goodbye Yellow Brick Road Farewell Tour in 2022 on April the 23rd of 2022 at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. So some good shows coming up in and around North Florida and surrounding areas. If you know of a show that I haven't mentioned, because I don't mention them all. I, I mainly kind of mention the ones I think that I would like to go to that I would recommend that people go to. So we, we, but that's a lot of shows that we we just went over, uh, certainly with uh, North Florida Entertainment and a lot of shows coming up. And we kind of throw uh, arena football in there too, National Arena League football. We talked about the elite indoor football league with the Southern Steam and, you know, Indoor football, arena football, if you will. I mean, it's North Florida Entertainment as well. Southern Seaman have to travel way up to Wheeling, West Virginia for the EIF championship game. Columbus, Georgia, the Columbus, Georgia Lions traveling to Jacksonville, Florida to play the Sharks on Saturday, July the 17th. And let me tell you what, the Columbus, Georgia Lions got a good football team this year. The Sharks have been kind of easing into things with uh, their new quarterback, uh, Danny Southwick, a 39-year-old journeyman quarterback who's, who seems to make some good throws a good bit of the time. He's got a good receiver in Devin Wilson and a few others to to throw to as well. But certainly National Arena League and arena and indoor football in general, certainly part of North Florida 
uh, entertainment, North Florida and surrounding areas. So we gave you a complete update on indoor football. Hey, I understand that uh, there, there's a group, there's a team, the Argyle Avengers, that are pretty cool. I mean, they went from outdoor to playing an indoor game against the Southern Steam. I understand in May they lost in the eight FCFL championship game to the Broward Outlaws, and now they're moving into a new league called the X, the EXFL. Not the XFL, but the EXFL. So after playing football in May and being in the championship game in the FCFL, they are now moving to the EXFL, and they're playing football now. So they're playing a lot of football, the um, Argyle Avengers. So I take my hat off to them. They're kind of like a – that team's kind of like a family. I mean, they uh, good group and uh, playing a lot of football, the Argyle Avengers. That fin- they finished second in the FCFL uh, back in May. Panhandle Crusaders were eliminated in the playoffs as we followed them through David Martin. Um, and we know that in that uh, the APDFL League, we know the Crescent City Kings uh, won their game 13-7, to their championship game over the Alabama Blackhawks from Birmingham. So that's a complete look at indoor football arena and uh, semi-pro football as well. We also did take a look at the uh, North Florida uh, concerts as well with North Florida Entertainment. We'll talk about SEC football uh, coming up next. Stay tuned. Hey, you're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Hey, great to have you tuned in. Episode show 41, season number two on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We're listening to as many as... uh, we're listened to in as many as 36 states. We're international. Hey, we're in Montreal, Canada, Quebec, France, uh, Germany, New Zealand, Hong Kong. Hey, guys. Also, Northern Ireland. Big group of folks in Northern Ireland. Uh, special, special hello to Andy Powers in the UK, uh, listening in New Newport, Wales area, I believe. Andy recently moved, so he's in a little bit of a different location, but I think the same, you know, the same general area, not not that many miles away. So we want to thank all of you for tuning in. 36 states, that's a great thing. I know we picked up, um, recently we picked up Montana. Somebody's actually listening in Montana, um, Arkansas. Wow, Arkansas, Delaware. Man, we're everywhere. Um, Alex Nunnery will have him uh, congratulate Mississippi State on winning the College Baseball World Series. We'll do that in just a few minutes on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Right now, they want to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about my brother because I know I had some requests to um, from Brother J.C., one of our producers. He said he wanted me to talk more about my brother. I talked uh, several episodes ago about I had to get a ride from my brother one day. Uh, due to, uh, I guess, a car being worked on, or we were moving some cars around or something. But, but, uh, and, and my brother was wearing an effort, an effort, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that, an effort t shirt. That was, you know, that was several weeks, several months ago. However, I saw my brother, uh, 
kind of kind of moving kind of quick and he was uh, wearing a real loud outfit if you know what a loud outfit was i mean he was either going to a poker house uh the beach or maybe he was getting on an electric uh, sailboat or something like that or perhaps he was going somewhere you know we don't need to talk about since this is a family show so uh, you know good luck to him today boy he's putting on some outfits and moving fast how about that my brother so there you go an update on my brother uh JC. So we're going to talk SEC football. Well, I've looked at some of the books that have come out, and you know, it's a lot of the same players in the SEC. Alabama, they're saying, is reloading, even though they won't have Mac Jones at the controls at quarterback. Georgia apparently may have uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Ole Miss uh, has a good one, too, and Matt Corral. But uh, you know, George's got what's a kid's name, JT Daniels, the uh, Georgia quarterback who who was at Southern Cal a couple of years ago. So now he's transferred over to Georgia. And of course, we know that Carson Beck may have won the backup job in the spring and played pretty well. Um, I mean, I'll tell you, the Georgia Bulldogs have got a talented group. Uh, they got a couple of guys coming back on the offensive line that are really good. The Georgia Bulldogs' defense is going to be considered to be one of the better defenses in the SEC. I did hear that Arkansas in the Western Division has a lot of uh, uh, players coming back, particularly on their offensive line. I think they returned their entire offensive line, but Arkansas is not expected to be a contender. I mean, the main three teams appear to be Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A&M, and Florida, maybe the fourth team. Um, and, you know, a lot of the books uh, came out, and apparently Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A&M were all, like, in the top ten in Cincinnati, uh, kind of a mid-majors in there as well. Iowa State's a top ten team or thought of as a top ten team now. So as far as Florida goes, I think you have to look deeper. You have to look at the schedule. I mean, Florida plays Alabama early in the year, and Alabama in, in, in most books are ranked number one. I did hear of a book the other day or a rating the other day that actually had Oklahoma at number one. So Alabama's going to be at number one or number two predominantly. So Florida plays Alabama early in the year in a regular season game. And, you know, the thing about it is people are going to say, well, Florida's going to lose that game. So we really can't rank – we really can't rank Florida in the top ten to start. Is it, does it just come down to the, the schedule? Because I, I kind of started in, in interpreting that as – I know the first game is against FAU. Florida should win that against uh, their old friend uh, – Willie Taggart, who's now at FAU, he kind of landed on his feet after he got blown out and fired at Florida State. Um, Florida plays FAU on September the 4th. They play South Florida at South Florida. Man, they're actually playing a road game at South Florida down in Tampa. That game's going to be on ABC, too. Florida plays Alabama extremely early in the schedule on September the 18th. And then there's games against Tennessee and Kentucky that Florida should handle. Vanderbilt, they should win that one. At LSU on October the 16th won't be easy. And then the big one, Georgia, uh, pretty close to Halloween on October the 30th uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. And that's going to probably decide everything in the East anyway. 
But as far as Florida not being ranked in the top 10, you know, they're ranked 12th in one book I saw. And then there's another book that came out. I think Phil still, you know, comes out with a later book that just came out that has Florida maybe around 22nd or in the 20s. ESPN, I think they barely have Florida in the top 25, maybe around 25th or, or higher or lower, depending on how you look at it. I don't really pay much attention to ESPN unless there's a game I want to watch on ESPN anyway. But uh, the fact that Florida is playing Alabama so early in the year in the third game on September the 18th is probably a big part of the reason why Florida is not in the top 10. We'll be talking SEC football. I mean, we'll be going to our Georgia Bulldog football insider, Mad Max. They got a good quarterback situation with, uh, let's see, brother JT Daniels, who, uh, you know, transferred from uh, USC. You know, he didn't really play last year, of course, but uh, JT Daniels will play this year. It's going to be interesting. Um, it looks like Carson Beck from Jacksonville, Florida, who won a state championship at Mandarin High School in his junior year, will be the backup at Georgia because he had a really good spring. Um, JC will be taking a look at Alabama football uh, soon. Uh, Alabama simply reloading. They don't have Mac Jones to go to at quarterback, so they have a new quarterback. And I'll be getting more information about Alabama uh, from our producer, of the Teal Shirt Report podcast, uh, Brother JC. So that's kind of what we've. That's kind of what we're looking at right now, as far as the SEC goes. It looks like Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A and M are all three thought to be top ten teams. Florida maybe on the outside of the top ten, looking in, due to the fact they play Alabama so early in the year. But uh, I think if Georgia was scheduled to play Alabama early in the year, like they they were, you know, last year. I think Georgia would still be in the top 10. I think Georgia still thought to be the better team in the East over Florida, even though Florida did win the East and did win the Florida-Georgia game last year. So you got Alabama, Georgia, uh, Texas A&M is rising with Jimbo Fisher. They had a good season last year. They didn't make the playoff, but they had a really, really good year. They didn't win the division, and they were not in the playoff, but they were close. They Texas A&M defeated Florida last year. Um, Florida beat Georgia. You know, it's one of those things. It's a tough conference, the SEC, and we'll be talking more about it as the, um, the season gets closer. I mean, heck, this is July the 11th. The books are out. They've been out for a while. I think Phil Steele's book just came out, and he's got Florida in the 20s, like I think around 22nd or so. So, and then in the, I think it was a Lindy's book, Florida's ranked 12th, and that's a book that came out maybe a month or more ago. So that's what's going on in the SEC. Uh, Florida's got Emory Jones. Emory's kind of known as a runner, but they say he can pass it too. He may put up big passing numbers for Florida. But we talked about the Gators' schedule. I mean, they'll open up with Florida Atlantic. Willie Taggart's probably got an axe to grind with Florida. And we'll see what happens. That game will be at home in Gainesville. Florida should win that game by, by I'm going to say, at least two touchdowns, 17 points or more. And then Florida plays at uh, – but, you know, Florida Atlantic has some good teams. They got some good players left over from the Lane Kiffin days. So I'm saying two touchdowns or 17 points, but that could be an interesting game. Florida hosting Florida Atlantic, the FAU Owls on Saturday will be the season opener, September the 4th, as the Florida Gators host Florida Atlantic. 
Uh, Florida will go and play at South Florida on September the 11th. A lot of Florida teams. And then all of a sudden it gets tough, really tough. September the 18th, Florida will be hosting Alabama in Gainesville. Tennessee, Tennessee game on September the 25th uh, in Gainesville. And so the, the only real road game really early is uh, the game in Tampa against South Florida. Uh, Florida plays at Kentucky and Lexington, Kentucky on October the 2nd. Florida will host Vanderbilt. They'll play at Baton Rouge at LSU. And then the Florida-Georgia game on October the 30th. Florida plays at South Carolina on November the 6th. Not running down the entire schedule, but giving you a good bit of of how college football will, you know, get cranked up uh, for the Florida Gators. So we'll be talking SEC football as well. I think Mike Norvell, the coach at Florida State, will improve that program. I think you'll see some gradual improvement this year and even more gradual improvement um, about two years from now. So Mike Norvell is the coach Florida State is hired. They're going to have to hang with Mike Norvell, you know, at least for a couple of years and um, see him turn the fortunes around of the Florida State Seminoles. So we'll talk SEC football. We'll talk some ACC, but mainly the Southeastern Conference uh, here on the Till Shirt Report podcast where we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment, and other area sports, including uh, the SEC. We want to thank our producers, Alex Nunry and JC, for helping to put the Teal Shirt Report podcast together. I'm going to join Alex Nunnery right now as he congratulates the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And, of course, uh, Scotty Dubrule, who played second base for the JU Dolphins. He graduated from JU. And then he transferred because he wanted to play another year of baseball. He transferred to Mississippi State. I say he transferred, but he had already graduated from JU. So he had another year of eligibility left, essentially, and decided to go to Mississippi State to, you know, play a year of baseball there. Picked a good year because they won the national championship for the first time ever in Mississippi State School history. Let's get the report from Alex Nunnery now. Uh, Alex? Congrats to the Mississippi State Bulldogs on winning their first ever national championship and college baseball history and in their school's history. The Bulldogs, they're led by outfielder Rowdy Jordan from Auburn, Alabama. Also led by outfielder Tanner Allen from Theodore, Alabama. They're also led by Former JU second baseman and starting Mississippi State second baseman Scotty DeBrule from Venice, Florida. Hey, thank you, Alex Nunnery, for that uh, report on congratulating Mississippi State Bulldogs on winning the College Baseball World Series uh, here just a, a few days back. So, congratulations to Scotty DeBrule and the entire Mississippi State baseball program on winning the College Baseball. Uh, World Series. Thank you so much. Alex Nunnery is a BigJReport.com sports reporter, and we appreciate that uh, report from Alex Nunnery. And again, thank you to Alex Nunnery for helping to produce the Till Shirt Report podcast. 
I also want to thank JC as well. Uh, we talk Jacksonville Jaguars football, North Florida entertainment, other area sports, which uh, at times includes a lot of indoor football, uh, SEC football. And, of course, we check concerts with North Florida Entertainment as well. Thank you for listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Uh, this, my friends, was actually episode number 41, episode show number 41 of season number two. Thank you for being here, and hopefully you'll be there again next time around on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. For now, I'm your host, Scott. I'm out. Have a great day.